This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. New from Venom Prison, Samsara. The album Kerrang! gives a perfect five Ks and hails as a furious, raging album, musical attrition that attacked with nuclear force and wind tunnel velocity. And Metal Hammer praises Venom Prison embark on one of the most twisted and disturbing death metal journeys in recent memory. Zero Tolerance goes there, calling Samsara a masterpiece of righteous violence. Venom Prism Samsara, featuring the track Uterine Industrialization, is available everywhere March 15th, guys. Make sure you check out the music video. Once again, Venom Prism's Samsara, out everywhere March 15th. And I want to remind you guys that this show is sponsored by Rockabilia. Need to stock up on some of your favorite band's merch? Go to rockabilia.com, put some on your wish list. They're the one-stop shop for all your band merch needs. Need to buy a gift for someone and know what bands they're into? Pick up something from Rockabilia. You won't be disappointed with the selection, and you can get 10% off with the code PCJabberJaw. So head on over to rockabilia.com and use the promo code PCJabberJaw and save 10% today. It's the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petter Speich, Brandon Hahn, and Jocelyn Sharp. Metal Sucks Podcast. What is going on, everybody? It is I, your host, Petra Speich, and I am always joined by... My name is Brandon Gochan, and you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at your buddy Gooch. Do it now. And Jocelyn Sharp this week is going to be missing the show because she is out there doing comedy live. Always check her dates, but make sure you follow her at Jocelyn Sharp, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you want to follow me, follow me at Rise to Offend on Facebook and Twitter, Rise to Offend Official on Instagram. That is the name of our other podcast, if you're unaware. This week, my friends, Zach from Whitechapel is going to be our guest. Very excited to talk about their new record, The Valley, which is coming out March 29th. Highly recommend you guys pre-order this record. I'm a big fan of it. And also the Chaos and Carnage tour that Whitechapel will be on with Dying Fetus Revocation. Fallujah, Spite, Uncured, Buried Above Ground. That starts April 18th, guys. So make sure, check those dates. See if it's in your town if you are in North America. And before we get to our interview with Zach, though, we always, always like to talk about the Metal Sucks news. This week, sad story. Hit us really early on the week. Maybe not metal, but to all of us kind of part of the genre, at least if you were growing up in that time in 1996, and that is going to be the prodigy frontman Keith Flint did pass away, apparently from a suicide is what was reported. Now, I have prodigy stories. Stories? I, got, I have one story. I got to see him okay. live one time in a small venue. It was, it was a great story. But the prodigy in general, to metal or to music, the thing that people have to remember is that their aggressiveness on stage, when, when they added Keith Flint and Maxim, the two singers, was amazing. It was bar none. They, they got the crowd going. They are a techno band, technically, right? But when I got to see them, it was crazy because it was at the House of Blues out here in Las Vegas, and um, Brandon, you were with me at the opening show. The, the show prior was Dave Chappelle. Perfect. Yes, opening. Came out in a suit, did his comedy, was hilarious. One of the best stand-up comedy shows I've ever seen in my life, for sure. Me and you were there together. But then after Dave Chappelle, there was a midnight showing, and it was just The Prodigy. So What was that, 2002? I want to say it was 2003, 2002. Yeah. Yeah, it was something around that time. 
It was before Chappelle show came right, out. I remember that. Right it before. Right before. Right before Chappelle show came out. Exactly what it was. And so, and the Prodigy at that point wasn't really that active, if I may recall. It might be like of a reunion thing. I'm not a huge, huge fan, so I can't tell you. But it was Fat of the Land, the record that I think had Firestarter and Breathe and all that. That came out in '96. So there was kind of a impromptu thing. I wasn't sure who was going to come out. So, but that Firestarter song and Breathe, like those songs, you smack my bitch up. You all couldn't those songs. get away from those songs, dude. There was like a whole decade where every movie promo, every commercial had one of those songs on there. I, dude, I, I say the two songs that were every movie promo were Filters, Hey Man, Night Shot, mm-hmm. and Smack My Bitch Up. Like every movie promo, I seem to hear that see, for I, like 10 years. See, I always remember it, breathe with me. Like, and you would always hear that. Breathe the pressure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. And it would be some guy putting like a clip into a gun, maybe sharpening up a sword, and then, <laughs> and then vampires start getting their heads chopped off. Yeah, Lucky it, Number Slevin. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. Out. Some oh. movie like that. I didn't like that movie oh. myself. But anyway, so I got to see Keith Flynn. Maxim, I got to see the Prodigy live. It was a midnight show after Chappelle killed it, and I remember being real tired. And the Prodigy came out on stage, and the way the House of Blues is set up for anybody that doesn't know, they have a floor, and then their stairs to the bar area, which is like any venue is going to be just up higher. And Maxim and Keith Flint, they they jumped off the stage, which is probably about good ten feet. Yeah, at the House of Blues, they run off the sides, and I was on the bar side. And Keith Flint just went over there and started kicking everybody's drink that was on the bar. He blasted me with like a rum and coke. It, it just hit me right in the face. And then he was like this, and then he gave me a smile. Right? Oh, well, that makes like, it all better. I'm sorry, I bl- like because the glass hit me in the face. Right. It, it was. It was like. It was oh, a, it wasn't just the drink. It, it was, was a plastic gla- cup, <laughs> okay. not a glass. I'm sorry, Still. the plastic cup like blasted me right in the face. Right, and then he just gave me a smile, and then they, you know, they were actually uh, they came out to breathe. He smacked his feet up. And yeah, so Pete got a, a, a drink kicked yeah. in his face by Keith Flint. But the, the they played what for an, an hour. hour. What an honor. They played for an hour and then they bounced, so we were out by one. But it was just an amazing energy. And what him and Maxim, the other singer of the band, did, it, you don't forget it easily. Not only were they stylistically way ahead of their time, but he, him as a front man, the energy and what he put out there, for anybody that saw him live, it was really one of a kind. You know, so he was definitely one of those guys that, um, and they, and that even if you saw too. him in videos, even if you never seen him live, just right away his presence on stage. Well, he had that reverse was, mohawk. It's like he, it, had, yeah. he had his head shaved, except for the two uh, the two clumps of hair that were kind of like in the corners of his skull. Yeah, I mean that was. I mean, you 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 automatically knew who that was, dude. There was just yeah, exactly, and and that's something that's something that matters in pop culture. Yeah. And, and when you have a look, when you have a look, look that, and you have the energy to back it up, and on top of that too, I mean, with the success that that Fat of the Land album had, they were probably like six or seven years before so many other bands started adopting those sounds that they were using and those techno sounds Absolutely, that they were using. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there were so many bands, and their popularity didn't wane in the UK. We're talking about just our experience from North America. Right. Their popularity did wane very much in North America after Fat of the Land, but. Again, iconic in every way, you know, ahead of its time and just a sad ending to such a uh, important life to the music scene and the music world. To all his fans out there and friends and, and all that stuff, you know, we here at the Metal Sucks Podcast, we, we are going to miss Keith Flint and uh, make sure you guys do definitely check out anything you can, live footage, whatever it may be. 
And let me tell you something. If uh, somebody kicks a drink in your face and if they don't smile, fuck them. (laughs) I could tell he didn't mean to. (laughs) (laughs) But he was like, dude, breathe the pressure. (laughs) And you were like, yeah. I was into the pandemonium. I ain't going to lie, dude. Like, it hit me. It it didn't, like, hurt or anything like that. But I was just like, it was exciting. I don't care, man. Like, if someone hits me in a mosh pit, it was just exciting to me. I'm like, oh, the music, it's time to go. It's time to start the fucking show, you know? And that was a, a cool moment, and uh, yeah, dude. So just just a sad ending, and I, I just feel like suicides are like the new overdose, you know, yeah. in in rock and roll, and it's breaking my heart because it's like I in my mind I'm like, dude, it's sad it's because sad, it's just one moment that they didn't beat, they lost. I've said it before on the show, and it's like, man, there's a possibility of of um, it seems like all these rock stars especially the extreme rock stars uh they hit a certain age and they go it's no longer cute when i do this shit you know i mean it's like it's it's bordering on the the edge of almost funny i I think what you're saying is that there's a midlife crisis for certain people and then when youth is tied to you yes that midlife crisis is almost a little more crushing than those that kind of you know, didn't have to always revisit their youth, you know, and because a lot of us don't have to revisit that. But if you are in a band or, or something iconic, maybe, maybe that is some pressures that we can't relate to or understand. So with that, man, let's, let's move on um, with some, some positive news. Two bands put up updates about their new records. The one that we've been talking about for, since we've been on this podcast over two years now is the tool record is completed. The album is in the mastering process. At least that's what we're all assuming after we saw a picture. Of course, Maynard wasn't in the picture, but that's that's yeah. nice. <laughs> that guy's doing everything away. Yeah. So it's coming out. You think summer? What do you think? I'll say summer. Okay. Because so, they were saying because originally he said April, and, was, then, yeah. and then Maynard came out and said, "No, fuck that, summer." So I was like, "All right, I guess summer." So we believe that record's going to come out. We're excited about it. We can't wait. And then the next record that there was an update on was the new Deftones record. Now, the comment that was made is that it reminds Chino, lead singer of the Deftones, for you guys don't know, of White Pony. Everybody seems to be happy with this. I am not, because I feel that the Deftones have matured so much past White Pony, and their records have been so much better, especially their last three. What makes them better? To me, I, I, maybe because I've matured with them. Maybe because when that White Pony came out, I was, you know, in my teens, and now at this record, when I listen to, I don't know how to say it, Koi no Yokan or Gore, I feel like there's been a maturity and they're better now. When I hear them play those songs live off the new records, you know, I, you know, up to Diamond Eyes, I feel like those songs are much better for the live venue, you know, as well. Now, don't get me wrong. I understand that, you know. Everybody's going to have their favorites. Around the Fur, I understand. Yeah, Around the Fur, Adrenaline, uh, White Pony, those albums. I understand albums. those albums are yeah. very iconic, but I don't think that in a lot of bands, when, if I say I heard Korn say this, I'd be like, okay, that's cool. I, I might want to check it out if it sounds like you know, the original Korn, but Deftones, I feel like, have transcended White Pony. That if they went back to sound like that, I, I don't know why that didn't make me excited. What about you? Were you excited about that? Well, I mean, number one, he's just saying that it reminds him of White Pony. It yeah. might not be anywhere close to what you and I think White Pony sounds like. So keep in mind, this is like, you know... White Pony's a phenomenal record. Absolutely. But yeah. I, I'm just saying, though, it's like, you know, you're talking, about, you're talking about a Chino that's definitely up there, a little bit more up there in age, way more than he was when he wrote White Pony. But, I mean, there might be some of the elements that had White Pony to it. And to, and to kind of 
the other albums that you brought, oh, like uh, the other two albums that you mentioned, Soy mm-hmm. Yokan, is that is so- Koi no Yokan? I don't oh, know how to say it. Yeah, bro, Koi Yokan, whatever. It means like the moment you fall in love. I think in Japanese, I right. know that's what it means, but I don't know how to pronounce right. it properly. Yeah, and then and then Gore. It's like yeah, there were great songs on that record, but I mean. I don't really look at it and go, they're that far from White Pony. I mean, they still have that Deftone sound to them. Yeah, I mean, I felt like it was more tailored to that version of Deftones, you know? And I feel like a lot of bands, I think it's really good for them to kind of go back and revisit how their most popular albums because that stuff still is really relevant. But I feel that Deftones all their records are relevant, except for the self-title, which I did not like. But that doesn't matter. That's just me, my opinion. But the point is, is that all their records are relevant. But what they've done is they've kind of transcended into just the the bands that are that are hard to pinpoint. Or I call them those alternative metal bands. Deftones originally was a new metal band. We can say that with mm-hmm. with confidence. They were part of the f- first running, but then they transcended into this alternative metal band like Tool, right? And I don't want them to go back to that new metal style. If that makes sense. I don't know. I don't know. This is just me talking some shit. But I, I, I don't. I want White Pony to be White Pony. I want Deftones trajectory to go the other way. I don't want to hear a new Iron Maiden record. That sounds like peace of mind, which people always yell at me about. Dude, I want to hear Book of Souls. I want to hear this. Well, you never want to hear a record shit. that reminds you of another record. I mean, it's like, it's, it doesn't that kind of make it a little boring? I mean, but you at the same Absolutely. time, though, but the you want to see have, have transcended that, right? But what I'm saying is, is like when you were in a band, especially a band like the Deftones, you know, where you got, you know, fans that are, you know, frothing at the mouth for this new record. That's how Deftones fans are. You know what I mean? It's like... And they, they earned that, yes. Yeah, they, they have earned it. But what I'm saying is, is there, it's a slippery slope. You don't want to um, grow too much. You don't want to get too far away from your past catalog. And there's still some fans out there that when they think of Deftones, again, I just mentioned the first three, those three, those three records that were game changers. Yeah, but see, fuck those fans. That's what I say. If you haven't grown with them, y'all stay in the past. No, it's not the fact that they haven't grown T- with them. Take care they of us that, that have grown with the they band. Might have, but what I'm saying is they might appreciate the new record and stuff like that. But if they get something that reminds them of, uh, of White Pony, but just maybe it's got a little bit of gore in there. It's like Gore and White Pony mixed in the one. I'm, I'm sure they're going to know that. If it so I, like so that, I don't think it's going to sound anything like what you think it's going to sound like. No, I think it's uh-huh. going to be. I think it's going to sound completely different from White Pony. I think you're going to hear it and go, "This doesn't sound like White Pony at all." And then you're going to be happy. It's the it's the first Deftones record I haven't been extremely excited about after the self titled one, which I did not like. The one after that, I believe, was Saturday Night Wrist, and I fucking love that record. That's what I'm saying, man. They really, they really transcended the new metal genre, and I think all the great new metal bands did. Slipknot, System of a Down. Well, they just learned to roll with the times. I wouldn't even say they got out of the new metal genre. It's just that they learned to adapt. And, well, System and of a Down hasn't sound. put out a record in 13 years, but I know what you're saying. Right, right. <laughs> so, anyways. I'm talking about Deftones. I'm just saying they no, learned dude, to adapt I, and go I, with that sound. I think the Deftones are one of the premier bands mm-hmm. when it comes to. They don't have to honors. rely. They don't have to rely on their their way 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 old back catalog no. to get the crowd going. No, no, not at all. I completely. And agree that's with and that. that's a rarity. And that's a rarity. Just like you said, maybe Slipknot. I could think of Slipknot can totally pull it off. They, pull they, that they, off. They've, they've done great. System of Down. I brought up, but like I said, yeah, they, they haven't put have out a record. Ma- they don't have no yeah, material. So it doesn't even matter. So one thing in the news that we wanted to talk about that was not on the Metal Sucks news story is that we here love justice. At the Metal Sucks podcast. And that's and not a stripper. Not a stripper, no. And Real uh, justice. Uh, and yes. And Justice for All was yeah. one of our first records growing up as kids. And, and R. Kelly has been such a fucking snaky dirtbag getting away with shit forever. And now it looks like he is, he is coming 
to get his justice. Now, I'm going to cross my fingers because we all know how this works sometimes. Oh, it's a wrap. I think it's got to be rap. a fucking wrap. But it's you know what sucks? This is, this is what we were thinking about. What sucks in, in modern days is, is the term documentary really means nothing anymore. <laughs> Just like the two term you know, news media. It, it really is a bias, whatever. And it depends who is behind the documentary or story that really makes the story what it is. Right. And even something like R. Kelly, who... I mean, Jesus, when did that, we brought up Chappelle. When did that Chappelle sketch go when he, oh, sketch, that, he when poo, did that, spe- give me some of that poo poo, give me some of that pee pee. That's going back to like 2002. Yeah, when, and when, keep in mind, it, that, the, 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 the whole thing with Aaliyah and all that, that was happening in the 90s. Yeah, child, this guy was, has been a pedophile for so many fucking years and people have just let this fly. So we're really excited, but then we stopped and thought, like, are we allowed to get excited? Because you know somebody's going to make a fucking documentary from R. Kelly's viewpoint. Yeah. Guess what? We found one. He was just a young boy from Chicago. Someday a day will come and you'll be better. Who would one day become a man who would consensually touch dozens. I have been buried alive, but I'm alive. This summer... Take a journey through the eyes of a great American. I believe I can fly. A great American who's never raped anyone. How stupid would it be for me to, with my old girls against their will, chain them up in my basement and, and don't let them eat and don't let them out unless they need some shoes down the street from their uncle. From writer, producer, director, artist, and the best father in the world, R. Kelly. I'm trying to have a relationship with my kids. And I can't do it. Scar Kelly, the trials and tribulations of Robert Kelly. Nobody's allowed to be mad at me. Getting to the top is easy. That's stupid. But if you want to stay there, no is never an acceptable answer. Help me not have a big heart because my heart is so big. Children under 17 must be accompanied by an adult. <laughs> if you guys are willing to watch that fucking show, yeah, uh, stop listening. <laughs> Unsubscribe. You gotta check the source, you guys. You gotta check the source. <laughs> gotta check the source. It's it's the my, most mind numbing. I've seen so many documentaries where I'm like, holy shit, this is not well, the fact that it's even. This being is not made. a documentary. Yeah, this is someone just saying their opinion. <laughs> so with that, guys, this month Whitechapel will release their new album. The Valley via Metal Blade Records. Anyone throwing the Valley on for the first time will immediately recognize it as the work of Whitechapel. Yet, as has been the case with each release, there is also evolution in play. Make sure to catch the band on tour with Dying Fetus, Revocation, Fallujah, and many more this spring. And purchase your copy now. Metalblade.com slash Whitechapel. Once again, guys, Metalblade.com slash white chapel merch table was founded by artists just like you we've slept on floors played for everyone and no one broken up gotten back together and taken everything we learned along the way to build a group of people who put creativity first so you can play while we work visit merchtable.com to learn more about our merchandising and online store solutions all right guys so with that let's jump into my interview with zach from white chapel Everybody, what is going on? It's Petter with the Metal Sucks Podcast. On the phone, I have Zach from Whitechapel. We are here to talk about the new record, The Valley, which is coming out March 29th, and also talk about the Chaos and Carnage Tour starting April with 
Whitechapel, Dying Fetus, Revocation, Fallujah. New album, The Valley, is it's a reference to Hardin Valley in Tennessee. Uh, can you tell us more about this area for people maybe unfamiliar with it? Yeah, it's I mean it, you know it's 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 developed a little more now, obviously, but but back in the day, it was definitely just I mean, you know, you drive through some little podunk towns, you know, when you drive through the U.S. Like that was Hardin Valley, you know, it's Hardin Valley. That was it was like. You know, one horse town. It was just, uh, you know, fields and mountains, and you know, not much to do there, man. So, yeah, it's a lot different now, but that's kind of that's kind of the gist of it back in the day. Now, uh, the valley—that is your seventh record, and as you guys mature as people, you mature as a band. So, how much do you feel you grew between previous album "Mark of the Blade" to "The Valley"? Well, you know, "Mark of the Blade" was kind of a stepping stone to to get to where uh, we wanted to be with this album. So, I'd say uh, if if "Mark of the Blade" was like adolescent stage, you know, I'd say we're a fine young adult now with "The Valley." So, uh, so yeah, I think we I think we've grown quite a bit as far as you know, really kind of owning in on. I'm not saying we're reinventing the wheel, but as far as owning in on our sound that we're wanting to do and experiment more with, I definitely think we've come a lot farther with the new album. So. On the new record, you embrace the dark emotional element, especially with tracks like Hickory Creek. How important is that to dive into more atmospheric songwriting for you guys? Uh, well, I, th- I think it's uh, it's it's for us. It's really important because we're you know, it's like you were saying a while ago. You grow up as you uh, progress as a band, and you know, and this is not dogging any genres or anything like that. But you know, we're not we're all not sitting at home like jamming you know deathcore nowadays. You know, like. We're, we're 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 just we're just listening to a lot of different stuff as musicians and people and uh, you know we all love Meshuggah, Tool, Catatonia, bands like that and I think all those influences are coming out of us even more as we get older, especially with the songwriting. So it's very important uh, to us to get that out in our songwriting and show the different influences. And I feel like maturing as bands, though, the atmosphere, like like you're bringing up like the, the deathcore origins or something like that, but that is atmospheric at the time, and then you, you still play with the same elements, though, of emotion and feeling. It's just as you grow o- older, it adapts. Is that fair? It, yeah, that's a, good, that's a fair way to say it, because, uh, you know, deathcore is definitely, you know, it's kind of got some rigid, the rigid it's kind of got some rigidness as far as uh, what you can and can't do, you know, to be considered deathcore or whatever, but... Yeah, and I think in a sense we kind of want to, you know, make it okay to be different when it comes to us being in that genre and making the genre just, you know, stand out a little more. Absolutely, man. Now, so um, do you plan to bring a lot of this atmospheric kind of songwriting that you did in the Valley and previously started with Mark of the Blade? Do you plan to bring a lot of that into the live setting? Oh, yeah, yeah. I think that's a big part of us now as far as – you know, when we did this, the most recent bit of touring we did, uh, celebrating like exile, mm-hmm. uh, you know, th- uh, we made sure the live setting was like, you know, the vibe for exile. Whereas the next, uh, tour we're doing, like we had a whole idea with the backdrop and the lighting and how it's going to be, it's going to have the vibe and it's gotta, it's gotta match the music. You know, we, uh, it's get to the point in our career where we just can't really, we can't just, you know, show up and play now, you know, it's like, I mean, we, we got to put on a show. It's like, it's just, it's just time to start doing that. And we've been trying to do it for such a long time, but it, it costs money, man, you know? So, uh, we're, we're gradually getting there, but that's it. Yeah. We're definitely keeping that theme for, for the, for the live stuff too. So. And part of the whole package with, with the Valley is the video that you guys did with when a demon defiles a witch. It's a music video, but it's a, it's a cinematic short film in every way. 
Um, and it's quite an accomplishment, man. I love the video. Uh, tell me the origins of the, that and, and its creation. Uh, well, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if you saw how Phil got into, uh, you know, for writing lyrics on the, on the album, you know, he started reading through his mother's like journals and stuff. And his mother was not exactly stable at the time. And, uh, that's where the inspiration for the, the idea, the song and the video came from. And, you know, obviously with the, with the video is a little embellished, uh, but you know, we don't really know to this day what she was imagining and what she was seeing. And the idea was to, it's you know we're so desensitized to watching all these horror movies and stuff but you know and if we had a huge budget sure we could probably do even better but like the idea was to really like you don't know how scary it is to be like not know what's real and what's not real and be terrified that something is like after you and and possessing you and like it's to get that that almost like a a really gray depression across just from watching the video and like grab grab the viewer that was kind of the goal, and that was kind of what we were going for. And it goes really well, though, with the atmosphere. You know, it, it yeah, that's up. that's that's the, that's a good word for it, the atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 a great video. I love the short film video thing, but I think budgets always have to come into play with stuff like that. Because, oh God, dude. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so. yeah you, you can't. I mean, you can't, dude. You can't really do anything worth a crap anymore for just a little bit of money like you really gotta pay some money to make a video that's gonna be worth a damn so but in the long run it, it feels worth it though right when it comes out like oh that yeah, yeah absolutely yeah 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 I, I, I was definitely stoked on that one it was worth it so great man i do want to touch base on naveen from entheos he did do drums on the new record for you guys just a session drumming correct and he's not gonna be touring or anything right no no he's not gonna be touring uh he just he, he just uh he's got you know Ithios with his with his fiance and everything and that's kind of you know we didn't even really bring it up because it's like hey man you know we we know what you're doing we know you're you got your own agenda so just come drum on the album for it because we all love his style like he's a super super like one of the best drummers i've worked with in the studio like you know new guy our old drummer was fantastic it's 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 a bummer he's not drumming for us anymore but uh naveen was definitely like hands down best guy i've worked with in the studio as far as drums go now, were the songs completed when he entered in there, or did he kind of help with his his style in, on some of the songs? Uh, the way we did that, like we, uh, I usually, <laughs> I painstakingly uh, programmed like all the drums when we were doing all the demo stuff, like for the most part. And then uh, he he would like we'd send him a track and be like, "Hey, here's what we programmed." Now, you know, go go back and like, and he would just do a, you know, he has the electronic kit, and he would just jam to the tracks. The, the, the guitar tracks and everything and like put his little flavor on it so we could get a feel for it. And then we'd be like, okay, this is cool. This is cool. This is a little too much, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then we finally got to the studio. He had a grasp on a lot of it, but it was nothing laid in stone yet. And then, uh, you know, through certain parts of the songs, we, he would do something and be like, Oh, that was super sick. Or, you know, Mark or producer would be like, you know what, keep it more like the pre pro right here because this has more of the feel and the vibe for the song. And it was kind of a back and forth, but for the most part, he put his flavor on it. And it was, you know, it was all over the place. It was super sick. So, yeah, dude, he's 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 uh, one of the best drummers out there. I got to actually interview him before the uh, the Entheos record came out, and we talked a lot about that groove. That uh, organic, oh god, he's got groove, organic <laughs> groove like he's got that comes he's, out of him, right? Yeah, it's crazy. He's man. got it all day long, man. It's insane. <laughs> I like bringing up the Brotherhood in a band because, like I said, a lot of people we don't talk a lot about how close you guys are together, and you guys have been together. The five of you uh, stands a few drummer changes through the years for 12 years now, 
in Whitechapel. Correct. And um, so I want to ask a couple questions about kind of like some of those memories. Like, do you remember, maybe can you tell me a movie or TV show that all you guys watched together on tour, rehearsal, anything like that, that just floored you guys and made you laugh constantly? Oh, South Park, mm. without a doubt. Mm. Like, that is, that is our show, man. South Park and uh, I think South Park and probably uh, Seinfeld. Nice. I got a conversation with someone, and, and I because I, I, I'm a South Park guy myself. Um, I do it all the time. I did a documentary on Trey Parker and Matt Stone recently for our other podcast. So I'm a huge, nice, nice. I'm a huge South Park guy. I'm oh working, yeah. <laughs> I'm working on Sasha Baron Cohen right now for that show, and there's an argument between a friend of mine. He, he's from across the pond, saying that he's more relevant and important than the South Park guys because he did Who Is America recently, and. I, I, it's hard for me to, to gauge it because what he seems to do seems to be extremely hard because it's personal and he does get everything out of people. What is your take on Sasha Baron Cohen versus the South Park guys? Uh, you know, I think, I think in a sense, man, like they're, they're, you know, they're, they might have a different route of doing it. Like, you know, how you said, uh, Sasha will get it out of somebody and it's more, it's more personal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you gotta think though, man. South Park. I think a lot of the stuff South Park does is personal to Trey and Matt because let's be honest, dude. Like they, when they you they see an issue that is totally ludicrous and stupid going on in the world, and they make it personal and they make it they they dog it and make it the stupidest way possible on public television to just like pretty much say like. You anything. know, like, you know, just talk, yeah, yeah, anything, and and they'll 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 insult it and 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 destroy it the best and most elegant way possible on that show, and I think that's like it's like a, so it's like it's like, uh, you know, two sides of the same coin, man. Like they both do it a different way, but they both get it. They they do they get it out the truth out there, and they they show it for what it is, and they just both have different ways of doing it. So I think it's like I think it's uh, I think it's real similar, honestly. And I feel like the, they're grandfathered in to get away with whatever they want because they've done yeah. it. And so that's important, though, because I, I believe comedy is very hard right now in 2018, oh, yeah. 2019. And, and so unless you have that legacy of like, uh-uh, no, I did, I did all this and I got away with it. And the, the main thing with, with those two dudes, I feel, is that, man, they, they tell both sides in the episode through characters. Like both sides perfectly make sense. And then somehow they, they wrap it up. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Where yeah. It leaves you like less mad at the opposition. <laughs> so, because yeah, because that's, that's, that's a genius move though. No, they're, I mean, they're, they're absolute geniuses, whether they know it or not, man. But like that, like it's, it's pure genius. And I, th- I think, I think the guys like, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, can you imagine them calling up whoever it is that has to say what they can do on and off the air or on air or not? Like, like, hey, yeah, I want uh, I want Randy to, you know, shit out a turd, you know, the size of a, you know, the size of a Bono, <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah, the size of Bono, like, and the person has to be like, okay, yeah, sure, <laughs> just, I mean, so like, genius is a relative word, but uh, I still think it's a genius uh, show. <laughs> Absolutely, no, I mean, I, I I tell you that right now, man. I still have my friends that think Family Guy compete. <laughs> I, I, now I have watched a lot of Family Guy. I'm, mm-hmm. I lean more towards I'm, I lean more towards American Dad. I, I, I like some American Dad, but Family Guy, it has its it has its had its time and its place. It's got it's got a little old in my book, but uh, I love I love McFarlane. He's the man. I think he's I think he's fantastic. 
I, I, and I, and I agree with you on that, but when I, when it goes down to, I'm laughing so hard, I can't breathe. The only two guys that still do it for me are Trey and Matt and Sasha. Oh yeah. Sasha, <laughs> yeah. Sasha Baron Cohen yeah. gets me too, man. <laughs> Who is America? I couldn't believe some of the things I saw last year. Did you have a chance to see that show? I haven't got to see it yet, man. Okay, yeah. I have not. I uh, had to buy the DVDs like, and I, I saw it like at a Target. I'm like, ah, just go for it. Cause you know, it's it's one of those things where I'm like, and then it, it was well worth it for anybody that hasn't seen it. It's, it floors you. Yeah. I actually have that. Uh, someone told me about that the other day. I went to go see one of my friends I hadn't seen in a minute. He's like, "Dude, you got to watch this," and because he's a big South Park fan too. Yeah. So uh, it's on the list, man. I just hadn't got around to watching that yet. I don't, I don't watch a lot of TV anymore. <laughs> no, I completely understand, man. And another thing uh, versus the Sasha Baron Cohen versus Trey Parker Mastone. One thing I always say: South Park is great on repeat viewings, where Borat is not. I, I do stand by that. I feel I, like, I, I'll stand. I'll stand by that with you. Yeah. The first time <laughs> watching, watch it, it kills you. Yeah, yeah. I can watch it once. But like South Park, I can watch certain episodes over and over again. What is the the blockbuster episode? <laughs> the, <laughs> That's the Lord of the Rings. Something, yeah, so, something blockbuster this way comes. Or so, I can't remember what it was, but it was like, dude, that episode. Holy crap! <laughs> Those are the only ones that get away with everything. And oh no, yeah, yeah. Dude, they can do yeah yeah it's great <laughs> so, absolutely so back to so you guys have watched that religiously on tour and all just die laughing oh yeah dude because that's like that's, that's how I catch up on South Park because like it's you know we'll be uh, when we catch it on the bus or something like that and it's uh, we'll make, catch up on the new episodes but then I play all like the old episodes of that season before the new one airs mm-hmm. so that's how I catch up and then like yeah and it's just it's just like religious like oh new South Park tonight we make sure to record it or make sure we're all there while you watch it so. <laughs> Are you a Sunny fan? It's oh, like, we love Always Sunny. Oh, yeah, dude. we we all love that show too. <laughs> that's, that's that's right. That's right up there. I, I feel like when you when you brought up Seinfeld, I'm like, dude, Sunny's got to be up there because those that Sunny's the shit, man. Dude, we love those show. We love that show. It's amazing. Yeah. So and that's about it for sitcoms in my my life. Because <laughs> like, you said I don't watch a yeah, lot of TV. That's, that's all I got. Is yeah, I was right there with you, man. Like uh, Always Sunny, uh, Parks and Rec, and The Office had its place. I'm I'm not I'm not I know I know some people think it's sacrilegious, but. I'm not the biggest office fan. Like it's, it's like, it doesn't like, sometimes I'm like, that's pretty funny, but other times I'm like, okay, I, I, I don't want to watch this anymore. I just, I don't know. It's like, I appreciate the hell out of it for what it is, but I just, it never clicked with me the way some shows do. I'm going to say a statement about the office and I'm going to see if you agree or disagree with me. The greatest right. love story in sitcom history is Pam and Jim. I haven't seen enough of the office oh, to say man, I'll yes tell or you. no. I've seen a lot of it, but I have not watched it co- uh, consecutive order back to back all the way through i i want to answer that question after i've seen the whole the whole thing absolutely man so, so i got romantic <laughs> it's so good no it's, no, no. It's i just I, thing, I, yeah. I know the love story but i don't i don't want to speak i don't want to speak on something i'm not 110 percent about so <laughs> listeners out there combat me that's the greatest one in, in television history those two I, I loved it all the way through and through so let me ask you this to segue to kind of gaming because i know some of you guys are gamers are you zach a gamer uh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, not not as com- not not as competitive as Phil uh-huh. with some of the games, but uh, I, yeah, dude, I grew up. That's that's how I got the music and metals, video games. So, absolutely, they go hand in hand. I always they go. Oh hand yes, in hand. yes, yes. The, the 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 emotion and the aggression of you trying to do something. It's it's the same kind of anxiety, but good anxiety. I don't know how to explain it, but um, you're not competitive with it. But is there a game that like you guys get really competitive with on the bus that you recall during during these those years? Uh, Oh man, there there's a, you know, Phil. Every now and then in the back lounge, like Phil, will have you know, he brings like Mortal Kombat or Call of Duty and stuff, mm-hmm. and it's not even fair playing Phil in those games because you just get annihilated. So, uh, uh, but as as far as a group, um, 
there's this game called Worms. I don't know if you ever played it, mm. but uh, it's a team game, and like you're literally these little earthworms that are animated, and the whole idea is to like blow the other team up. You have like missile launchers, machine guns, and like jetpacks. It's like super goofy, but uh, we would we would like for hours play that like against each other, and it was it's a uh, it was a good time. That and uh, there's a game called Trials. It's like a it's like a, a motocross like side view like game that we'd all play together and it's just you know it's it's like games that you all can just sit down and like goof off and play and have a good time and just waste time but uh those are those are definitely two games that we all played together and i know it sounds like a small thing but how important is it to keep a band together to share things like tv shows and video games on tour well it's it's kind of always happened like like you know naturally with us like you know we're not all I mean, it's, 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 I say that it's funny because uh, Gabe's here right now hanging out and Alex will be here later, but uh, we don't hang out too awful much outside of being on the road. Like we see each other every now and then, but you know, when we're on the road together, like uh, we kind of just, you know, as far as like sharing a show like that together, it just kind of happened naturally. And like, it's, 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 it's super, it's kind of important just for the simple fact that like you have to you have to be with these people, not only like physically, but like you kind of have to be in the pocket with them. And you like, uh, like I'm kind of the loner of the group. Like, you know, I don't, you know, I kind of go do my own thing throughout the day on tour and everything. And I don't see the guys a lot until we, you know, after sound check, I go to the gym and everything, come back for the show and everything. But like, it's like at the end of the day, I think if we had, you know, what we'd bend over backwards for each other, it's just like unsaid though. It's unspoken. A lot, a lot of things, a lot of things live in that silent. You know, and I love that. I think I think I think the world can use more silence and understanding like that. That's what I want to say. That's like, a that's an understatement. Let's be quiet and just we know. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Let's be quiet. <laughs> and trust me, we'll that's a good know. Way to put it. Yeah, dude. I, I I try to live my life that way to be very like you know silent, but they know. Yeah, that's cool. I think that's very important with the band. So you're like the maverick. I used to be called that. They used to call me Maverick from Top Gun because I would just wander off and do my own thing. When people are like, yeah, that's, let's do shots and beer bongs. I'm like, I'm going to just go for a walk. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, I mean, like, I mean, we're not super crazy party band, but yeah. you know, everybody likes to, and we love beer. We love good beer and we love, you know, everybody likes to, I mean, weed is a great time. So, I mean, like, uh, and even for me, you know, like, uh, I'm, I'm not a, I don't, I smoke weed maybe once in a blue moon. Like, you know, if I'm, it's like if Meshuggah's playing a festival, we're going to go and I get to see him. Well, yeah, I'm going to get high and go watch Meshuggah because, that's just what you do. <laughs> it, but, uh, you know, I'm just not big into it, though. And, but, like, you know, everybody goes and, like, ha, you know, has drinks and has a good time. And I'm just kind of, you know, I, I, dude, I had my spell of that shit. I, I really used to – I wasn't an alcoholic, but I used to drink enough. And I got tired of hangovers, and I'm just not, a, I'm not all for it. <laughs> I have shit that I want to do. <laughs> exactly. Control is underrated, man. I, I, it's, yeah, yeah, it's I agree. so underrated, man. But Control and moderation. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely – yeah, you, you can't – you can't post that on the uh, on the Instagram, but that's okay. Hey, what'd you do today? Nothing. <laughs> I ate a meal that was healthy and good, right? <laughs> Dis- yeah, ate, a, ate a meal, went to the gym, uh, swept the floor. Yeah, dude. I, well, that's no. That's that's not cool, man. <laughs> there's no reason. I know if you're addicted to like a discipline or a schedule, it's it's like it's necessary, but it's also not something that you need to share with the world because it's hard to get. Yeah, because it's a it's a push and pull thing, man. But you're talking about beer. You guys have a beer. It's called Possession Beer. I don't know if, if people can get it over the market, but I did read a while back that it was like brewed with jalapenos and like citrus, um, like 
I don't know, rinds? I, I, am I wrong? Yeah, it was the, it was, it was the, uh, you know, yeah, it was the skin of uh, the oranges, like they ground up, and uh, like the rind, yeah. And then uh, the uh, jalapeno is so subtle that you don't feel heat from it. You just, you just get the the taste of it, the hint of it, uh-huh. and like after after you drink like a whole pint, like it's almost kind of. It's almost kind of warm, but it's not. It's never spicy. It was never hot. And the the citrus, it was it, it was originally supposed to be like a, you know a summer a summer beer, and because uh, you know any the last thing you want is something to make you sweat in the summertime, so we didn't want it to be that hot. But uh, the the jalapeno to, with the citrus, you'd be surprised, man. It turned out really good. <laughs> is, is it available easily to find, or is it? Just that uh, it is not. It was yeah, only it was only uh, it was only here at a local brewery we did it, we did it with. And uh, there's still some left, but you can't like you know you can't like order it online or anything like that. So man, we hadn't gone worldwide with it yet. <laughs> <laughs> I always wonder like if at the merch booth you guys could like bands could start selling beers, but I don't think you probably need like a liquor license, some crazy thing. That I'm not aware I think about. the I think the the venue they wouldn't be too happy about oh, that, that because that, inter- that interferes with their bar money, yeah. and we all know how how they are about that on top of the merch cut they take from us this is extremely huge so (laughs) yeah no that makes total sense i i always think like outside the box and then someone just cuts my box in half i'm like oh yeah there's i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) it's good i'm irrational sometimes because wouldn't that be awesome though i'm gonna buy myself a white chapel shirt and i'm gonna try this jalapeno beer you know with zach right here at the booth that'd be great man that that that's that would be super sick i'm sure i'd like just like hey you know buy a shirt get a free mug and a beer yeah <laughs> you know? meet, meet and greet beer with the band dude come on like that's that, it that's, that's that's literally it that's a good you know what that's a great idea <laughs> you might you might, you might well, there are a lot of underage kids, though. So, oh, they got to show IDs, uh, and then meet, there you go. Yeah, that works. Yeah, <laughs> meet and greet root beer or beer with the band. Put jalapenos in both. Nobody will know. <laughs> get, get just get it. Just get a shipment of beer every day to the venue, and yeah, that'd be just, cool. that's it. <laughs> that'd be cool, man. I, I just don't know. I I feel it'd be cool to be like, yeah, I did the meet and greet with uh with Zach. Oh yeah, well I had a beer with him. Oh cool! It just sounds like the story got better right away. <laughs> oh yeah! No, I thought, oh, you got a beer with him? That's not fair. Yeah. No. Well, they, they allowed it in Chicago, dude. Where are you from? Milwaukee? Too bad. You know. Like, yeah. It's probably the reverse, actually. What I just said. Yeah, probably. I'd say yeah. yeah. <laughs> so now, dude, let's let's talk about the tour. Super exciting package you're on. You guys are going. It's called the Chaos and Carnage Tour. Now, your tour in North America starting April 18th. It's going to be with Dying Fetus, Revocation, Fallujah, and a couple other bands. I'm sorry I didn't write them down, um, but it's a great package. Now, it's very different, though. All different metal bands. Like, the Dying Fetus is, is very death metal, Revocation, the technical. You guys are, like I said, I feel are, are much more atmospheric, hardcore almost in a way now, like it, it, with the styles. Um, I don't label you deathcore really anymore if, if that's yeah, fair it doesn't yeah, that's totally fair man yeah. I, I don't think we've been super straight deathcore for a few albums so yeah and so with the tour like that do you guys want to play a lot more of the new record on a tour like that because the package is so diverse uh yeah i mean we're 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 well we're all gonna play uh well i, I shouldn't divulge anything really but like no we're playing you know a good chunk of the new album um but we're actually we're also playing a lot of stuff we've never played live before uh, from all the other albums, so you know it's like it's like if you go to a you know a Slipknot show and they don't play all their hits, it's like in some of the songs you don't know it's a risk you take. You know, it's like it's like you know it's like well I wasn't really into it because I didn't really know much of the songs, but it's like I kind of feel like once people hear some of these songs live, they'll be like oh shit I never really thought about that song this way. You know what I mean? Like 
because you see it live, it's a total different experience. So I think with us, with there being different bands, it gives us the option to like kind of be a little different with how we do our live set. But of course, we're still going to play, you know, some of the bangers and the hits, of course. But, um, but yeah, so it, it lets us be a little more experimental with uh, this, the stuff we're playing live. And I say this on so many episodes, so people are going to get tired of me saying this, but that's the journey of a song to me. When I get the record, I know the record, and then I see you guys play it live, I love the song three times more, and then I come back to the record. It's part of the whole journey with the band. You know, you, you, know, what, you know what band does that perfectly, too? Is like, it's like it's Meshuggah. You yes. go, you listen to it, you know about an album, you go see it live, and you're like, oh, my God. And then you listen on a CD, and you remember it live, and it's like that much better. Dude, I'll tell you that, that you're, you're a thousand, I'm a thousand percent in greens. I remember seeing them on Catch 33. This was obviously years back. But that record right. didn't stick with me. And then I saw it live, and they played you know, the majority of it. And I came back, and it was like, wow, how did I miss this? Yes, like, how yes that's I- what I'm saying. Like, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's why I want to go. That's, that's what I want to do. Now, whether or not we're the big enough band to do that, who knows? But, like, that's the chance we want to – that's kind of the risk we want to take on this tour. You know, like, want to be like, hey, here's all this music we've never really touched on before. Experience it with us, you know, and then go back and listen to the album again and be like, man, this is so much cooler, you know, at least hopefully anyway, so. And in your favor, though, a lot of times the set lists get popped up online right afterwards. So if somebody's like, I don't remember that song, but they remember it live, boom, revisit. I, I love it. I love it. Uh, it'll be, it'll be, the set list will be online for the first night, I'm sure. Yeah, but like, I'm sure, yeah. we need to get like Metallica and just be like, you know, oh, what's the set list tonight? Let's just make it up as we go. Yeah, I always wondered about that. That seems really, really hard to do. But I mean, well, I think they know they did, they, they probably do it in different chunks. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, like different chunks of the set. They just change it out of order and they've done it for so long now. I'm sure they, they got it down to an art. And then the crew that's been with them, they know what's happened. So it's a, oh, yeah. It's that's, a, testament to the muscle memory i guess it's i mean it's no no it, it, i mean it really is and like we can still play songs without you know that we could just be like oh we hadn't put this on in a minute we could probably still get through it mm. but like we you know we play it's unfortunate but it's it's a necessary evil like we play to a click live and that's that's because it lets us do more with the show as far as samples layers uh uh, you know, as far as lighting goes and everything, like being on a time code for the lights and everything, like it, it makes us, it lets us do a lot more to put production into a show without having to pay more people to do it. So it makes sense. Can we still do the show without it? Of course, but it won't be the same show. And you're right, dude. The presentation is so important. The atmosphere yes. and the presentation, it, 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 it's definitely there. So as I just mentioned a little while ago, you guys are coming off touring This Is Exile 10 years ago. Makes me feel old, I ain't gonna lie. I'm sure it makes you feel old as well. Um, <laughs> a little bit. A little bit, right? But uh, when you played the material, you know, in its entirety for so long, what is your favorite track now after revisiting it and playing it on tour in its entirety for so long? Mm, well, I can tell you the ones I hate playing. I've been playing it for a year straight, but uh, let's see. Um, you know, I, um, I really dig... I really dig Messiah a lot. That was a fun one to play. Uh, had a really cool kind of, the beginning was kind of a real cool death metal vibe, like a, uh, you know, a three, four kind of just swing to it. It's a lot of fun to play live. And then that's the closing track from the album. And then, uh, honestly, uh, father lies is, uh, we'd played that one before a lot, you know, back in the day, but we hadn't played it in so long. I was like, I forgot how fun that song was to play live. So, I'd say those two for sure ones that uh, I'm into playing, but I know the ones, I, <laughs> the ones that I'm over are like, 
if I don't ever have to play semantically incorrect or to all their dead ever again, I'll be, I'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> and that's fair, man. Like you said, we grow like that, but, um, they, yeah, yeah. I love the fact that bands do this though, that they can revisit their records 10 years later and then, and bring them to the stage. And then I always do fear that you guys kind of would get bored playing them in its entirety because unless the record's perfect, you know, there's going to be songs that you're like, Hey man, I, I, I wasn't a huge fan of that back then and now i gotta play it again 10 years later i think it wasn't immediately but after we played it you know played that same set for you know you know what three tours or something like that if not and it just just and it was it was such a process because we had to like right in the middle of tracking for the valley you know we had to go on tour and do that first leg of exile and so on top of that we had to relearn and then learn songs we never played before and I had to make the live sessions for the show, and like I had to go get all the audio and stems from Zeus, you know, the guy that uh, mixed the record. Oh, mixed it, okay. Yeah, and yeah, he mixed that one. Uh, he, uh, Johnny Faye uh, produced that one, I guess you could say. Hmm. Uh, that's who he tracked it with at the time, and Zeus mixed it. And then, um, but yeah, I had to go back and get, and I had to, you know, th- this was done to this wasn't done to a click, dude. That album was all just free balling. So like, uh, I had to go back and like put a click to a lot of these songs and like map out mini maps and all that dude it was it was insane it was it was a lot of work just because but the reason we did it though is because we wanted that tour to be like it's like look this is exile we have to like bring it you know what i mean like we had to make it the best possible and like you said presentation and uh that was <laughs> god that was a process it was dude it was exciting though man it was cool so i was really happy that you guys decided to do that one for an anniversary um, one thing I did want to bring up, Zach, before I let you go, I'm a huge Bruce Campbell fan, huge Evil Dead fan. I know you got the tattoo of Evil Dead on oh, your yeah. knuckles. Uh, my firstborn kid, if people don't know, his name is Briscoe County. And so, nice. Yeah, <laughs> that's on, incredible. On the birth certificate, Briscoe County Spitch. That's my boy. And uh, so, what, and as you said, huge Evil Dead fan, Evil Dead franchise and universe, but what is your least favorite thing about the Evil Dead franchise? <laughs> You know, it's it, I was I was pretty much the the remake. I wasn't I didn't hate it like when they did it, it. You know, it was super eerie and brutal. But I'm like, it just got it got lost in translation somewhere. I kept thinking like, like at one point in the movie, did you see the remake I did. by chance? Yes. Okay, at one point in the movie, you know that one girl that was kind of just a kind of a, a B roll. She was just kind of in the background most of the time. Like she ends up losing a hand at some point. Mm-hmm. Like gets cut off like a turkey tarver or something, and and I'm, in my head, I'm like, oh, how cool would it be if, like, she just – this little this, – this girl just becomes a badass and picks up the, the – the just, you know, they weren't making it apparent at first, but it's a huge surprise. She ends up being, like, the next Ash, you know what I mean? Like, and just being – but, you know, and she ends up just dying off, and it's yeah. just like – and I was like, man, that – you know, I, I can't say anything. I've never made a movie before. Mm. I don't – I can't – I don't – I try not to dog people like that. and like But I was just like, you guys almost had it, but it wasn't quite there. It was like almost there. Like it doesn't have really much rewatch value, and uh, but then again, you know, I'm biased, I guess, because I grew up like Evil Dead Two was one of those movies that when I first saw it, I was I think I was in sixth or seventh grade. Like I was old enough for scary movies not to scare me anymore. Mm-hmm. But something about that movie creeped me out so much. I don't know why. It was the way it was shot, the the way the camera and everything was done. It was it was crazy. I don't. Something about it just freaked me out, and it just—I was like, "Man, this is so great!" And I was obsessed ever since then. And it just—I didn't expect that to happen with the remake, but I expected something a little more. So that was probably one of my least favorite things, I guess. 
That's fair. For me, uh, and I, I agree with you on the remake. I remember going in kind of negative though, and then I left. I'm like, I got, I can't be. I, I, it was it was well done is all is where I left off. There with. you go. Yeah, yeah. well um, done. So um, definitely, like you said, I own it, but the rewatching value, I don't think I ever have rewatched it. So yeah, yeah. My one gripe: Ash versus Evil Dead, just season one. The CGI blood was so over the top, and then by season two, oh they, yeah, yeah. <laughs> season two, they figured it out they're like, we're not going to do it like that. I'm like, cool, cool, because it it took me away. It made it too animated for me, you know. I'll give you that. Yeah, yeah. It's, that's not, I didn't really think about that much. But like, I, yeah, now that you say it, it's like, yeah, it was just outrageous. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was like it was almost silly, and yeah, and and uh, regardless, that series I love the whole thing. I think they oh, the series is fantastic. They I want to. Yeah, I th- dude. I mean, it, no, it's it's great. Like, that's that's exactly. It was the breath of fresh air we needed when it comes to that franchise. So it it is. It, yeah, I can get past a little bit of the silly blood, but I think they were just trying to embrace that cheesy over the top part. But it was just a little too much. <laughs> exactly, they nail it by season two. The, they can- the campiness. Yeah, exactly. They they get it. They get it right. It was just like the first three or four episodes. But man, with that, dude, I want I want everybody one more time to hear it, guys. If you. Don't pick up the valley. It's a fantastic record. I'm so proud of where these where you guys have gone or your entire career. Everything's new. It's interesting every time I pick up a record. I love the record. I love the video. I really think it's probably the best video I've seen in a lot of years. So I hope everybody does check it out. And the story behind it is very it's dark. Like I said, it, it brings it there too. So everybody, if you get a chance, pre-order now. Whitechapel's new record, The Valley, is coming out March 29th. Definitely check it out. And then you guys are going on tour April 18th with Dying Fetus, Fallujah, Revocation. So, Zach, dude, big fan for a long time. So happy I got to talk to you, man. Thank you so much for calling into the Metal Sucks podcast. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I really do appreciate it. And thanks, everybody, for still supporting us.
the Metal Sucks Podcast. A fantasy awaits A dark desire to watch you slip away into oblivion
we are back, guys. First song you heard, When a Demon Defiles a Witch, is off the new record, The Valley. Make sure you check out that music video, guys. Probably one of my favorite videos in the last five years, right next to Here Until Forever by In Flames, which is a miraculous video, if I may. And then the next song, also by Whitechapel Guy, that one is called Third Depth. Both of these songs are off the new record, The Valley, which is coming out March 29th, guys. Pre-order it right now i'm telling you it is so worth your time and make sure you guys check for dates in north america for the chaos and carnage tour with dying fetus revocation volusia spite uncured buried above ground which starts april 18th and with that don't watch any documentaries pro r kelly yeah that's all i'm saying okay free speech free all that we're all about that shit right now but hey let's let's unify and just say let this motherfucker have his trial and walk away right please no no pro shit if you're gonna watch an r kelly documentary and it is produced or directed by someone with the last name kelly no (laughs) no more (laughs) that's probably stop it stop it the metal sucks podcast is signing off this is the jabberjaw podcast network